Welcome to the Messy Walk Podcast with Pastor Adam Cook, where our goal is to have a genuine and authentic conversation about the Christian faith journey and what a messy walk with Jesus really looks like. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everybody, welcome to the Messy Walk Podcast. Um, this is episode 84. This is not Chloe. This is Matt. Yeah, this is Matt. So, Matt, welcome to the podcast. Glad you're here, brother. And uh, Matt is our new campus pastor at our Caswell campus, filling in for Chloe today as sort of a guest host. Well, I said new to the Caswell campus pastor role, but I don't know what qualifies as new. How long have you been there, Matt? Oh, six months. Actually, haven't posted the uh, six-month picture on Facebook. So, uh, so it's been half a year. Yes. So I guess that's still new. And he did, yes, he just did say heaven did that because his wife's name is literally heaven. It's actually heaven, and then her middle name is Lee. That is and correct. And so her name is really Heavenly Dalton, which is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt, tell us a little bit about yourself. So it's you in heaven and then like 47 kids or something like that, yeah, right? Yeah, 47. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, we got three boys and the daughter who is six months that I was just talking about. Yeah, so your baby girl um, came on. So for those of you that don't know this, um, Matt is our campus pastor for our Caswell campus. And when we're in the process of hiring him, um, he his wife was pregnant with their fourth child, which is their little girl, and so she he came on board right after baby girl was born. So um, he will always be able to know his tenure at Union based <laughs> on how old his kid is, which is funny, Matt, because because yeah. that's the same way I do with us. So Union Church started completely when Aiden was. Um, about two months old, um, maybe even yeah, yeah, right at two months old. That's when the church started. So anytime I want to know the age of the church, I just look at the age of my son and I know how old our church is. So my son is ten, going on eleven. Union Church is ten, going on eleven. And you'll always know now. You just look at your little girl and be like, "All right, well, she's six months old. That's how long I've been here." So, um, and you are from uh, where? Tell them where you came um, from. I'm actually from Patchett County, but it's a little town called Kreitz. Kreitz. Yeah, as the telemarker say, it's Chris. Crits, because it's spelled C R I T E S. No, C R I T Z T Z. I mean, yeah, T Z. T Z. Yeah, crits. So it yeah, does like a Ritz cracker, but crits. <laughs> I didn't even know that. I thought it was C R I T E S. Um, so it's it's crits. Um, but it's Kreitz is how you're supposed to say yeah, it, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and none of you are gonna know anywhere that is at all because it's a hole in the wall in the middle of nowhere, Patrick County. So uh, yep. he's now a new resident to our area and um, been doing a great job at our Caswell campus and starting to see some growth there. So we're always excited about that. But the majority of our listeners, actually, Matt, you may not know this, the majority of our listeners aren't necessarily part of Union Church. And so it's kind of a wide-reaching audience. And so this is not really a Union Church podcast at all. Um, this is just us in general. And so uh, the Messy Walk podcast sort of stands on its own. But, I, of course, I can't help but talk about the church that I serve at, and neither can you. So Matt is filling in for Chloe today, um, who's not with us today on this on this episode. And you said this episode what? 84. 84. And so... Um, we're going to throw Matt to the fire. He's already a little nervous. You'll be able to hear it in his voice probably, but he's doing a pretty good job. We're going to throw him to the fire, and uh, we're kicking off a new series. So, Matt, since you're Chloe, um, in your best Chloe voice, please don't do that, um, tell us what the new series is called. It's New Symptoms of a Dead Church. Symptoms of a Dead Church, and that's going to take us how long? Um, all the way to Christmas. Yeah, all the way through this year. So we're going to be on this new series for a while. And so if you've been paying attention to the podcast at all, you know that most of the time we do 
four, five, six-week series. Here lately, we've done a lot longer ones. And so this one's going to be a long series. In this series, we're going to have um, some interviews with some people and some things. We've already shot some of those or recorded some of those. We haven't shot it because you can't shoot an audio recording. You record it. And so uh, we've already recorded some of those that we're going to have coming up. But what we're talking through is we're talking through symptoms of a dead church. In other words, I've just felt this big need to spend some time talking through um, the decline of the church, specifically in America. And so we're talking about this significant decline in recent years, and then therefore the decline we're going to continue to walk into in the church in America, basically. Um, I don't know if you have realized this or not listening to the podcast, but the church in America is in steep decline. Yeah, Has been for a while. Um, we see this, obviously, because you, so you're talking to two pastors today. Um, but we see this because we are in it every single day. If you're a Christ follower, obviously you should be connected to a local church. And so I bet you see it if you're connected there. But, you know, the Messy Walk podcast is all about this messy walk that we have. And the church, it's not just individual because the church is the individual, but the church is also the collective group of all of us individuals following Christ, the body of Christ. If our individual walk is messy, then you can guarantee that our collective walk is messy. And so the church has a messy walk in general, too. And so what we see happening right now is a steep decline um, in, um, it's hard to say this, but in Christianity in America. Now, what do we mean when we say that? Well, we mean um, connected people in the church, but we also just mean people that are identifying as Christian or not. Um, and it's, it actually covers both. So it's not just a decline of people saying they're Christians. It's also the decline of people being actually connected to the local church. It is the attendance in the local church. It is the membership in the local church. It's basically all these things across America that's in steep decline. And if you've been paying attention to any Christian studies or writings lately, there's a lot of talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we thought we would spend some time kind of talking through it for the next, you know, couple of months going into Christmas, because it's going to take us a while to talk through this. Because we say symptoms of a dead church, that sounds quite negative. Um, and that's because it is, right? There's some things that we can see of why is this the case? Like, why is the church declining? So what I want to do in this series is I want us to kind of talk through some ideas and some reasons why we believe the church is in decline, because I don't think that we can really do anything about it unless we know what the problem is. Like, I'm a yeah. big proponent on it's like think about this in your marriage. You tell me if this is right, Matt. All right. You can't. You can. You can work with anything if you know what you're working with. But if you don't know what the problem is, then how in the world are you ever going to do anything about it? Yeah, right. That's, that's so true. if you're sitting around fighting with your spouse and everybody fights with their spouse at some point, yep. if you have no idea what the heck it is you're fighting about or what the problem is, how in the world can you get to any sort of resolution? You can't. Yep. You, what you usually do if that's the case is if you don't know what the problem is, you end up just fighting about it or you end up ignoring it. And I think that's what's happened in the church. So there's going to be a lot of people who are going to feel like, why would you talk through this? This is so negative. This is removing the fact that Jesus said he would build his church. That's accurate, by the way. This is removing the fact that the Holy Spirit is the one doing this, and it's putting the ownership on us to fix the problem. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that we need to say, hey, look. Less people are interested in Christianity in America than they ever have been before. There is a decline in this. Let's state what the problem is. It's not negative to state what the problem is, right? It's negative to me if we dwell on the problem or ignore the problem or we see it coming and yet we do nothing about it, right? And so – to me, don't don't get off on the track right now of, well, I don't want to listen to this because it's negative and it's going to make me sad. Oh, my gosh. I mean – 
<laughs> we cannot ignore everything that makes us sad or that's that we true. don't want, you know what I mean? That we don't yeah, want to talk true. about, right? So we have to be able to identify what do we think's causing this and then be able to do something about it. And so when I say that, I mean this, each little individual local church should be talking about this. Individual Christians should be talking about this, knowing the landscape of the culture that you're in so that you can do something about it in your witness. And then large denominations and networks of churches need to be talking about this, right? Yep. And so the collective church in America needs to be discussing what is quite significant and a significant change um, that has been happening on and off since the 50s, really. Um, it would be different spots where you'd have some sort of renewal, right? And so you had the renewal in the 50s and the decline. Mm-hmm. You had a renewal in the 70s and the decline. You yeah. had a renewal in the 90s and the decline. And so that that approach would tell us that there is a, a renewal on the horizon, but not if we don't identify, hey, what is the heck is wrong, right? Because something's yeah. wrong. Something's wrong. Um, I mean, it's just it's just part of it. And, and us in particular in these roles, we see this. We see this mm-hmm. like quite every single Sunday. Every single day as we're interacting with people, we see a decline in uh, faith and specifically in Jesus. Um, and it's important to note, we'll get into this more in the series, but it's important to note that that the expected decline is specifically in Christianity in America. Mm-hmm. And you are seeing a, um increase in other religions and things. We talked about a stat earlier. You got that paper? Yes. We talked about a stat earlier. What, what was the stat on the other religions um, that, it, that currently makes up the landscape? Um, that between Muslims, Hindus, and other non-Christianity, that 6% of right. them. That's, so it's 6%. That's what's making up the, the religious faith walk, right? And in the majority of it in America is Christians. Yes. So here's what's happening. Um that 6% is increasing. Mm-hmm. And so the people that identify as Christians, and most of this is coming from Pew Research, but there's a ton of it coming from other places too. Um, Pew has done some things. Um, uh, uh, Lifeway has done some things. A bunch of places. Um, but the, the the main thing that's happening is so you can have some data. So you know that we're not just saying that because our churches don't have people showing up to them or something, right? Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? <laughs> Which is true too, by the way. Um, but what, what you see is 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 the people that identify as Christian is decreasing. Yeah, It's been decreasing year after year after year after year for a long time now, um, since the 90s. And the peop- what is increasing is the people that identify in none, like no religious affiliation mm-hmm. at all. That's increasing. And at the same time, what is also increasing is people identifying in those other religions, Muslim, Hindu, Islam. Islam, and then just various different other ones. So what's expected is, is in the next 20 years or so, 30 years or so, that number of people, that 6% number Matt just told you about, um, is expected to double. Mm -hmm. While the number of people identifying Christians goes down, and also the number of nuns goes up. So here's what's happening, if I can just kind of lay it out there. People that are identifying as Christian before are now identifying as none. Mm -hmm. And then they are raising children and families in the nun. So new people identifying for the first time are identifying more as nun, right? Yeah, that's, it's, it's significant, yeah, it right? Is. So what you're seeing there is, is that, for lack of a better way to say it, 
people are walking away from the faith, but then they're raising the next generation of people outside of the faith. And so the nun category is increasing significantly, mm-hmm. along with the other religions increasing, but not obviously it's still behind since it's only 6%. So if that one doubles to 12%, right, and the 60-plus percent of Americans that identify as Christians is going down, and the amount of nuns is filling that gap, right, yep. that means that one's getting closer to 30%. And so what you see happening is, is people walking away from the faith or disconnecting from the church, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know we're talking about self-identification here, right? So, And then the amount of younger people now identifying as none is crazy higher than it has, has ever been. So that category alone wasn't introduced way back in the day. But since it was introduced, it has been exponentially increasing every time there's a study. Yeah. Right? And so, and I think that we all, from if you could just pull back from research for a second and go to personal opinion, I believe that we all have experienced this. We have seen more and more young people, right, not identifying with any religion whatsoever, mm-hmm. right? Not much less Christian, but just none whatsoever. Um, and so the nuns are increasing. Yep. That's not a Catholic reference. This is a bad reference. This is <laughs> N-O-N-E, not N-U-N. Um, and so th- th- there's nothing to say about that data except for self-identification of Christianity is significantly decreasing. And mm-hmm. as, that, as those two things keep going, so as people identify less as Christian but more identify as none, then the gap there for decreased Christianity is growing significantly, right? It is growing at a pace that our current rate of bringing new people into the faith will not will not keep up with. Does that make yeah. any sense, right? And so um, it, it, this is a problem, don't you yeah, think, Yeah, it's Matt? a big problem. I mean, this is a big problem, yeah. right? And if I'm being very blunt and honest, um, I banked my whole life on Jesus, Right, so I pushed all my chips in on Jesus. There is nothing I believe in in this world more, from from a biblical perspective, from a philosophical perspective, from a historical perspective, even from a scientific perspective. And I like all those things. I am a nerd when it comes all. I love science. I love history. There is nothing that I believe in more in this world. There's only one thing I know is true. It is Jesus Christ. Yes, that's it. Like, like you could say, Adam, there's no way that's true. You mean you know? I I am more confident in the truth of Jesus than I am um, my own marriage. Like, I'm more confident in the truth of Jesus than I am my personality style. Right? I mean, it's just the one thing that I hang my hat on. So. I pushed in all mine. I think you have too, right? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have hired yes. you if you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all um, in. I'm all I, in. I, wouldn't, I pushed all my chips in, my family have, and I own Jesus, which means that we pushed all our chips in on his method to reach the world with the gospel, yes. which is his church, right? And I don't mean institution. We're going to get into that, to that in the series. That's one of the reasons. Um, it's one of the reasons why it's declining is this idea of institution versus movement, Yes. Right. Um, but what I'm saying is, is I pushed all my chips in on the church because Jesus says that's his method. And so just so you know, the method for the gospel reaching the world is not um, my platform as a pastor getting bigger and more people coming to the church. That's not the, that's not his method. Yeah. His method is each and every single one of us and then us collectively as a whole sharing the gospel and making disciples individually, right? And mm-hmm. so 
part of this whole problem might be our structure of church to begin with, yeah. right? Because it's been this whole bring them in to this place or this institution. But I, I will get into that in the series. All I'm trying to say is, is that I believe in the local church. Um, I believe in the fact that the local church is God's method, right? And yes. individual Christians being disciple-making disciples, I believe in it wholeheartedly. Um, and so if that's the case, then we've got to figure this out. And yeah, I, we do. And I bet you – I mean, so Matt, you've been here six months, right? We'll give mm-hmm. a little personal insight into us. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. And you can say wrong. It's okay. I'm not, right. not on fire. You're just a guest host anyway. Um, uh, have you heard us talk more? Have you heard us talk about anything else more in your six months here than discipleship? No. I mean, it is constant, yes, isn't I, it? I love it. I mean, it, we never stop talking about it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just constantly going back to our call is to make disciples. And if our call is to make disciples and Jesus' method, so Jesus is the, is the thing, right? He's, he's the thing I pushed all my chips on, and his method is the local church, and our mission is to make disciples, then we must talk about why the church is failing to make disciples, yeah. right? Because it's our goal. I've said this a lot in the last year and a half, um, but if you're not making disciples, you are not a church. Like yes. You're something else altogether. You're a club. You're a nonprofit. Yes. You're a business. That was actually one of the first right? statements I've ever heard you say, Yeah, and I loved it. If, really you're, not, if you're not making disciples, you're not a church, because that's what a church does. Yes. And that's what the church does. And I will be blunt and say this, too, and you may not like it. If you are not making disciples, you very possibly may not be a Christian. Right. And so that to me is the source of all this that we got to get back to. But I think it's good to talk about the individual reasons. So here's what I did. Um, And I've got some interviews we've already recorded. They're coming up soon um, where we're just going to ask people that I think have a unique perspective. What is their first gut reaction on why the church is in decline? Right. Why? What? What they're doing is they're giving us a symptom of a dead church. Right. And so. What? Why is the church in decline? So what I did was, is I threw this to Matt. He has no <laughs> prep on this at all. That's the no. way we want this. We don't want any prep on the answer because I don't want him to go Google it, right? <laughs> so <laughs> we'll get to that. By the way, that's one of the reasons the church is in decline. Um, not necessarily a bad thing, just the one we got to be aware of. Um, so I threw it to Matt. What about thirty minutes ago? Yep. And I said, Matt, gut reaction. What's your first reaction? Main thought. If you only had to give one answer. Why is the church in America declining rapidly? And you said one word. What did it's you say? The, it's the reputation of reputation the church. Reputation of the church. Yeah, mm. I do feel that. So what do you think? What does that mean to you? So when you said that, like, and this doesn't have to be a clean thought. This is the Messy Walk Podcast on purpose. Yes. Like, I think we actually named it that so we could get away with just <laughs> <laughs> stumbling over our words the whole time. So what do you mean when you say the reputation of the church, obviously you mean we've got a bad reputation, but how is that affecting? Why do you think that is such a key piece of affecting, you know, the church's growth or, or death? I think it's like the perspective and and how people can get on the news or social media and someone, a pastor slips up or a church slips up and it's blasted everywhere. And then people get a bad taste in their mouth and then they view the church in that way. And and sometimes they view the church without without even experiencing the church, mm. and that they or they had one bad experience. They went through something personally that could have affected the way they view church, and 
the reputation of how we as a body of believers and Christians are supposed to set a certain standard, and a lot of times we fail to do that. And I think that's really that reputation that we give off sometimes is what it deters people from coming to church or coming back to church. Yeah, for sure. So what we end up doing, as I think one of the key pieces of being a disciple, being a mature disciple, is the um, the way in which we handle ourselves and the integrity that we bring to the table that shines a light, a positive light on Jesus or a negative light on Jesus. And obviously you are bringing up something I think is absolutely crucial. I think it might be one of the most key pieces to this whole thing is that the church has done things, right, mm-hmm. um, that have created a bad rep. Now, of course, you get you can get a bad rap for stuff that's not the case, right? Yeah. And you can get blasted for reasons where, you, like you just said, somebody's, somebody's blasting the whole institution of the church or the whole all Christians when they've only experienced a couple of bad eggs, right? Yeah. But regardless, those things add up over time. They do. And the church has done some pretty stupid stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like when we talk about these – widespread um, uh, racial divides that the church has helped create, no doubt, right? Martin Luther King Jr. quoted one of his most famous quotes is, the most segregated hour in the Christian landscape in America is 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Yeah, that's terrible. And what's crazy is he said that, you know, 60 years ago almost, and yet it is still true. Yes. Um, now, it is better, of course, but it is still true. And so the church has has indeed formed a bad reputation for um, racial reconciliation and inclusiveness and all those things. The church also has done has had widespread scandals with senior leaders and high-profile people, mm-hmm. right? And you know what I'm saying? Like when, you, when one of those things happens, you can kind of sometimes go, all right, that yeah, was people that, mess up. Right. People yeah. mess up. That was that person. It's horrible. It's not right. But when it keeps happening over and over again with high-profile leaders, you just go, what the crap? Yep. I mean, every time it happens, I go, oh, my gosh. Me too. Thanks a lot, brother. That's what I kind of say to myself. Mm-hmm. Like, thanks a lot. Now we got yet another black eye to work through. Yes. Um, and so you got the high-profile leaders, but then you also have, like, these – sexual abuse scandals that are like long lasting. Like we're talking about these one little things or two little things. I don't mean to say little and belittle it at all. Um, I mean like the Southern Baptist church, for example, right now is walking through this period of what has happened is, is there has been, and this is all proven now 20, 30 years worth of lots of sexual abuse and cover-ups yeah. or ignoring it, brushing on the rug and also, and also like not giving, not giving any credence to the, to the victims as they talk about it, like just shutting them up or disbelieving them or discrediting them. I mean, it's a massive thing. And, and I didn't even bring up, I didn't even bring up the Catholic church and their same, uh, absolute complete horrible handling of, you know, massive, sexual abuse, mm-hmm. um, almost institutionalized sexual abuse. It's the same thing with the Southern Baptist Church. I mean, it, those things, they shine a very bad bad light. They do. Right? I mean, a real bad light. Um, and Gosh, and that's hard to come back from. It is. You know, I mean, you think about running into somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus, and all they have heard is, is well, why would I want to follow the church when this all this crap is here yep. and happening? You know, and it's just bad. And when you bring it up is. reputation, I'm thinking – 
I can take what I've read from the news and what you read from the news, and we know that it's there. Yes. We can also take what we've experienced personally, mm-hmm. and we've seen it firsthand. We've seen bad leaders. We've seen leaders fall. We've seen sexual abuse in the church. I, mean, I know multiple families that are within our church whose child was sexually assaulted or abused at some church when they were growing up. Yeah. And most of it was never really handled. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? Like most of it can point back to the pastor's still there or he's at another church or whatever. It just seems like it's never really addressed and handled the way it ought to be. And I mean, we didn't even got into the church getting such a bad reputation because for a long time they've been very diminutive to women, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, we just keep giving them all day. And I think that we have to realize that reputation is a big deal. It's a big problem. Like, I, There's these two books. We're going to reference them. We'll throw them up on social media so you guys can read them if you want to. They're ba- all based on studies, so they're pretty heavy reads, uh, but I think they're incredibly important. And so we'll throw them up on social media sometime this week. Um, there's one called Unchristian, and the tagline here is what a new generation really thinks about Christianity and why that matters. This is by David Kinneman, and all the research is coming from the Barner Group. That was the other one I was trying to think of earlier. Mm-hmm. The Pew Research, Barner Group, Lifeway, all those things. David Kinneman and Gabe Lyons. And then there's another one called, it's the same style and from the same research, but written in a little bit different language towards younger, young people. Um, not towards them, but talking about why young people are leaving the faith. It's called You Lost Me, and the tag is why young Christians are leaving the church and rethinking faith altogether. And that one's by David Kinneman as well. Um, and most of that research has come from the same study. The second one is just focusing in on, you lost me, is focusing in on the younger generation, identifying as none is the whole point, right? Yeah. Um, and so what we find in here kind of backs up what Matt said. Me and him were looking at this earlier. All right, so y'all listen to this. This is how outsiders perceive evangelicals and born-again Christians together in one group. Um and we would definitely throw ourselves in that category. You know, now I don't like the political way in which evangelical word has been used, right? Yeah, um, it's been used as a political kind of thing to group people together and throw them in with some category and then that's a vote that you get, right? Yeah. Um, it's wrong to do that. The event the the real reason we would use the word evangelical is it means that it really means that there's it's Christians that are trying to reach um, a lost world. Right, yep. trying to reach and make disciples, right? Which is to me, if you're not evangelical in nature, not in name and not in <laughs> political status, right? Yeah. But if you're not evangelical in nature, you might need to check your faith in Jesus because he was quite evangelical in nature. Um, yes. So here's what it says. And I read these to Matt earlier, and Matt, what you did was basically shook your head. Yeah, my mouth dropped too. Yes, yes. This is insanity. All right. Um, this is people outside of the faith that. Here's the percentage of them that had a bad impression of evangelical Christians, 49%. So mm-hmm. the first stat they give you is how many of them know and are aware of anybody who is an evangelical Christian, and that number was pretty high. So 57% is what they said that they knew somebody or was aware of someone, and then 86% is what they said they knew somebody or aware of somebody who was a born-again Christian. So you notice that those two terms are quite different. Um, yeah. And so have a bad impression – of Christianity in general, 38%. Have a bad impression of evangelical Christianity, 49%, right? Have a neutral impression, 45% or 48%. 
So if you're doing the math right now, then you know that leaves have a good impression. Yes. 3% of people outside the church say that they have a good impression of evangelical Christians. And that's low. It's horrible. It is. I mean, like, that's reputation all day. And so you're telling me literally 90-some percent, nearly 100% of people that are unchristian outside the church, identifying as none, that's this crew, that they, almost all of them, do not have a good impression of the church. Man, we are doing something wrong. We're doing something wrong. Yeah. Reputation. I I mean, we're doing something just... I don't just don't get it. And I know this is a church problem. I know this is a us individual as Christians and us in, in, in individual congregations and the larger congregations. I know this is a church problem because if you ask these same people whether they have a good impression or a bad impression of Jesus, they say they have a good impression of Jesus. So it keeps going back to this old thing of people don't have a problem with Jesus. They got a problem with Christians. Yep. And what would cause them to have a problem with Christians more than this reputation that we've built for ourselves? Mm-hmm. And so I think we can't – like you can take some of that and you can go, well, people are going to form their own opinions and it is what it is, not as bad what they say. You can, you can say that about some of it. But from my perspective over the last – you know, I've been, in, I've been in full-time ministry now for like 23 years. Um, I have been a Christ follower for 30 plus years. Um, my perspective is, is there's been so stinking much of this that has caused us to have such a bad reputation. Yep. Right. And it spans the gamut. Like we talked about all these larger pieces, but there's a perspective perception of us being judgmental. Right. And all those things. And I just think, man, that does not represent Jesus. Not at all. I mean, like it just doesn't represent Jesus. Matter of fact, Jesus is the one that said, judge not lest you be judged. We just talked about this recently, so I want to talk through it. Um, That scripture cannot mean that we don't ever tell anybody what they're doing is wrong. Because Jesus spent his whole life telling people what they were doing was wrong, right? So it can't mean that. What it means is, is that our judgmentalness is shown before and after we share truth with somebody. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. and that's, that's what Jesus is getting to. It's this attitude, this air that we carry. And so we end up having this, we see, we're seen as judgmental. But if we were representing Jesus correctly, and we're never going to be able to do it perfectly, I'm not saying that, but there's no way that you would classify Jesus as judgmental. None right? at all. Even though, even though he spent his whole, every time he interacts with somebody, he's telling them what they did wrong or, or he's telling them the truth, right? calling them out on behaviors and issues and those kind of things. And yet nobody's going to declare him as judgmental. And so if we're shining the light of Jesus, then we should not be known as judgmental either. Um, You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. And and I'm not even talking about people that – we're talking about Mm non-believers that don't have a problem with Jesus. right? Then they may not believe he's the son of God. They may just believe he's a historical figure. But he has a positive light in the world from his life, from the historical references to him. Um, and he's seen as a great leader inside and outside. And so there's this, there's not an air of judgmentalness that comes across from him, but yet Christians, it ends up being the case all the time. I just don't get it. There's this other part. This is all, these two that I just gave you are in unchristian um, book. There's this other one that says, all right, these are phrases um, that they've asked to, they've asked these people that are not Christians to rate um, 
does how how well does this describe present day Christianity? So listen to these. Outsiders outside of the church. These words describe Christianity. Anti-homosexual, 91%. Mm-hmm. Judgmental, 87%. So 87% of people outside the so church much. say that judgmental is an accurate description of the church. Mm. Hypocritical, saying one thing and doing another, 85%. So, uh, so in other words, you're saying one thing. We as Christ followers, and I'm th- we'll throw ourselves in this category. We as Christ followers to outside people are saying one thing but then not living it. Mm-hmm. Right? How is that following Jesus? It's not. That might be a problem. Yes. Right? I mean, because <laughs> how can you tell somebody to do something that you aren't doing? How can it doesn't make any sense? How can you share a message that you are not doing enough to actually, you know, you don't believe in it enough to actually do it? Yeah. I call this moral authority. We talk through moral authority in our church all the time. Um, and of course, we fail at this too. But the idea is to hold a standard to we must have the moral authority to lead another person. So I'm not going to have anybody in a position of leadership at our church telling somebody to do something that they aren't willing to do. Yeah. So here's like here's where we hold the line. Here's an example of it. You always have, like, I mean, think about church experiences. You have somebody who's sharing the offering moment, right? What they're doing is is they're, they're either asking people to give or they're sharing that we give. They're sharing that value that Christians are givers. I won't have anybody do the offering in our church who does not give themselves. Right, because how yeah. ridiculous and hypocritical is it <laughs> yeah. for you to get up there and say to somebody give and then they don't give? And that's that's tough, yeah, by the way, is. as a pastor, because I have to constantly be going back and forth with that with certain people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to have somebody stand up front and say you should be in a small group when they are not in a small group. Yeah, I'm not going to have somebody stand up and say you should serve at the prove it day when their butt never shows up at a prove it day. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's true. You don't have the moral authority to share it, and. That to us as, as Christians needs to be something we pay attention to. And obviously it is something that the unchurched world is paying attention to. Right? Yeah, it almost brings up like that simple thing that we teach in church all the time to quit being a Sunday morning Christian yes. and live it out during the week. And I think that's where a lot of people this is where this reputation comes from is if you know, just going to church on Sunday doesn't mean you're being a Christian, but that you actually have to live this thing out. By those around you, the events you go to and the things you attend. And the way the play- you say yeah. things, yeah. what you do in public, what yes. you do online. Oh, my Lord, don't get me started yeah, there. Yeah. You Definitely. Know. But, but doesn't, that, doesn't that say out loud then that the unchurched world, or let's just say people in general, pay a whole lot more attention to actions than they do to words? Yes. Right? And what they are pointing out is that your words and your actions need to line up. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Because if you don't believe in it enough to actually do it, then why would I? Yeah. Right? I, I'll give you an example. This one's extreme. People will get, won't like this one. You'll say I'm being too harsh, but whatever. If I go to a car dealership and I'm going to buy, let's say, a Honda, and the guy that's selling me that Honda, I'm going to ask him what he drives. And if he says he drives a Toyota, I ain't buying a car from him. Because he don't even believe in enough to drive the car that he's trying to sell me, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, of course, of course, that's a little harsh. He might be on hard times. He might be driving the same Toyota he's had for 40 years. And yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, But you get what I'm saying to yeah. you. Like, if you're trying to sell me something, you better be 
using the product that you sell. Like you use it enough to invest your time, your money, your energy, like how much you believe into believe in it. Therefore, you would sell it. Yeah. I think it's the same with us, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, why would anybody buy the Jesus we selling? If we don't believe in him enough to actually live it out, yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's like, good. So, so that one, that was the hypocritical one, and that one was eighty-five percent old-fashioned. Seventy-eight percent of unChristians identify the church as being old-fashioned. Too involved in politics, seventy-five percent. Mm-hmm. So, what we find, and we'll get into this in the series too, what we find is is that. The church seems to, as a whole, really care about being involved in politics. The mm-hmm. unchurched people we're trying to reach says, "You too involved in politics." Yep. And it and, it, and I identify you that way, right? Well, we might ought to listen to what the people we are reaching are actually saying, right? Instead mm-hmm. of us deciding we're going to die on the hill of our political candidate, instead of dying on the hill like Jesus died on the hill, which was four people. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like good. we we got to lay down, you know, Jesus laid down his rights, picked up responsibilities. We have to lay down our rights and pick up responsibilities. And Christians are increasingly getting crazier about I'm going to stand up for my rights, yeah. right? Instead of going, you know what? I'm going to lay something. I'm not talking about laying down convictions and doctrine. I'm just saying that do we come across like we care more about our political affiliation than we do the person who doesn't know Jesus knowing Jesus? Yeah. Yes, we do. We do. As a whole. Yes, we do. Um, 72% said the church was, they would describe the church as out of touch with reality. Whew. 70 rough. would say insensitive to other people. Mm. Oh, my gosh. The church should be the most sensitive to the other people. Yes. I just said this to somebody um, this morning. There's a guy in our town who is running for the school board office. I've known him for a long time. I talked to him today. And one of the things I said to him was, is, man, the, the church should set the bar on respecting people mm-hmm. across the board. Like, as a Christian, you are never allowed to disrespect another human being. We are supposed to see people like Jesus sees us, and he sees us, every single human being, whether they're a follower of Jesus or not, he sees them as made in the image of God, right? Mm -hmm. The Imago Dei, that's where we're at, right? We're made in the image of God. And so Christians should set the bar on respecting other people. They should. That doesn't mean you agree with them. doesn't mean you agree with what they do, but we should be respectful of people. And this is saying that we are insensitive to other people. That's how they see us. Mm. Um, you can get mad at them for saying this all you want to, but this is how they see us. Um, 68% said the church is boring. That, that's not good. Boring. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. We're doing something wrong if that's the case. Yeah. Like, if you think the Bible is boring, you ain't read it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, boring is the last word you could use to describe the Bible accurately read, right? And, yeah. and then read through. I mean, it ain't boring at all. Confusing? Yes. Right, mm-hmm. hard to take sometimes. Yes, yes. Offensive, absolutely. Yeah, but boring, no way. Um, and the church, the church should not be out of touch with reality, like they said, and boring. Here's another one: not accepting of other faiths. And then the last one: sixty-one percent of outsiders say that the church is confusing, and that bothers me to my core. Yeah, because the mission of the church is quite simple. And where we put our hope and our faith and our trust is quite simple. And so 
the church's message, the church's method should not be confusing um, because it's, it, it's not a confusing thing, right? Like Jesus is the answer. He loves you. He cares for you, even in your mess. And everything points to Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And that's all we should be. Sh- so it shouldn't be confused. Like this one should be they, they describe, they disagree with us, but they're not confused yeah. by what we're saying and the method that we're saying. It. You know what I mean? And, and anyway, I thought these were just ridiculously interesting. Um, they, they just, this book really challenged me. I've read this two times and it takes me forever to get through it, which is weird because I read through things quick. It's just so dense. It also makes me extremely sad. Yeah. Um, what you are seeing, what I am seeing right now, and we'll wrap up because um, Matt gave us a really good one to start off with with <laughs> reputation. Um, what I'm seeing right now is that young Christians in the faith, first off, we know they're decreasing. We just said that. And you can see this across the board. Um, youth ministry in general is failing, mm-hmm. um, which means, by the way, that the church is failing, not to just you need to fix your youth ministry. Um but young Christians, by the way, they see these. They see them. They know them. Mm-hmm. And they're more sensitive to them than other people are. Those of us that are older in the faith, we tend to be blind to all this and just write off as nonsense. Um, they just don't know and just kind of check off of it and move on, right? Oh, the church is born. Oh, it's just they don't know. They don't experience it. The church is insensitive. Oh, they don't know. They're just taking us holding tight to doctrine and saying that it's insensitivity, right? Yeah. That, that's just them taking us saying the truth of what Jesus said and saying, oh, well, I don't want to hear that. But see, young Christians realize this. Um, I'm raising one right now. So are you, right? Yes. So your oldest yes. is how old? He's 12. 12. So my mm-hmm. oldest is 15 um, and a half. She will have her, you guys can pray for me and Valerie, she will have her learner's permit before Christmas, Oh, right? Driving us around. <laughs> um and she is a solid, devoted follower of Jesus. Matter of fact, she's going to be one of the guest hosts on the podcast in the next couple of weeks during awesome. the series, which That's would be awesome. really cool. We'll see how me and her do. <laughs> um, but I'm raising one, and she is very serious about her faith, and she is very aware that the vast majority of her classmates and friends and all those things feel this exact same way about the church and Christians in general, and she's sensitive to it. So she's constantly trying to make sure that she doesn't give the church a bad reputation or give or bad way give Jesus a bad reputation. But older Christians seem to be way less concerned about this. Mm-hmm. Like the younger ones are the one the younger ones are the ones saying, "Hey, look, how we vote ain't near as important as reaching people for Christ." The older ones are going, "Forget that." I'm going to vote how I see this country going. This country's going down the tubes. I'm going to vote this way. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they just got to deal with it. And mm-hmm. and that's hope for us, though. So, like, I bring that up at the end to say yeah. that all this stuff makes me want to literally jump off the building today. But there's hope for us that young Christians are seeing it. We just got to make sure that they have a voice at the table mm-hmm. and that they are guiding us in this way, right? Yes. If there ever was a need to rapidly bring young Christian leaders up in the ranks of the church faster than they deserve, right? Faster than they've earned. You know what I mean? Like faster than their experience has given them is right now because they are willing to see what the, how the world sees us and they are willing to be sensitive to it and try to fix it, try to figure it out. Um, 
And that means they need younger Christian leaders need a seat at the table, right? Yes. They need to be involved in what we're doing and how we're doing it because they're they seem. Oh, this sounds bad to say, but I'm just gonna say it. This, nobody's listening anyway because we've been yeah, talking yeah, too long. <laughs> they, they already stopped listening to us. Um, they seem to care where we as vested long-term Christians don't. Yeah, They seem to really care about the world around them. They seem to really care about unchurched people. They seem to really care about the environment and just causes where we really come across like we don't. Yeah, I'm not saying we don't. I'm just saying we come across like we don't. And if we come across like we don't enough, it means we don't, right? Mm-hmm. Like what you were saying with the reputation, like if the reputation keeps help building that way, it's not indicative of all of us, but it is indicative of all of us in some way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So um, I just bring it up as a positive note that uh, I do see I do see hope, and the hope is found in young Christians who have significant leadership potential who are willing to see and address these things and not ignore them. And no, like it address reality, and then actually care more about people knowing Jesus than whatever else, right? Yes. Which means we got to get them around the table. We do. We need their influence, and we need we we can guide them in the things they're immature in, yeah, right? Definitely. But uh, that's the hope right there, um, and I really do feel, and I think research shows it. Um, now, of course, young people who are not a Christians are disassociated extremely from the church. Um, and that's what you see in that other book by David Kinnaman, the You Lost Me book. But uh, young Christian leaders in the church realize this. So I'm done talking, Matt. What do you think? <laughs> I think this is great. That was a good first experience on the I podcast. I talked a lot about your idea of reputation, but did we cover it okay? <laughs> yeah, I think we did great. Yeah, it makes sense. I, yeah. I, I really do think it's something for us to chew on. You know? Yeah, it is. And I think that you can't sit around, and I've done this, so I'm talking to myself. You can't sit around and bemoan how somebody else is breaking the reputation. You have to look at it as, as okay, how about me and mine? Yeah, good self-evaluation. Right, right. Or how are me and mine doing on representing Jesus correctly and curbing that reputation? Because if enough, if enough everyday individual Christians, not ones with big platforms, yeah. right, not ones with big followings or that people would know and then see in the news, if enough everyday Christians – we're actually doing this the right way and building God's reputation the correct way, then it wouldn't make as much difference when some big shot, big wig, something another, or somebody like a me, I'm not a big shit at all, but I'm a big shot at all. I'm just saying, I just think I cursed on it, but it was an accident. <laughs> I, you know, I, um, it wouldn't matter if I fail as much, right? Or matter is that when they fail as much, if all the individual Christians were holding up their reputation, right? Yes. It would be a way where we'd go, wait a minute. Yeah, he did that. Oh, my God, that's horrible. I don't know what's going on over there. But every other Christian I know seems to be spot on. So, you know what I mean? It yeah. Would, yeah. So, that's true. Anyway. All right, Matt, close us out. All right. Thank you guys for joining the Messy Wall podcast today. And this was my first go. I'm I'm sure I didn't fill the <laughs> shoes of Chloe, but I gave it a go. Chloe will evaluate you. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe they'll let me back on here one day when that's up to Adam. Yeah, that's true. Make sure you guys check us out on Facebook and Instagram, and uh, please give a um, uh, review if you're listening to this. So we're we're only on Spotify or Apple, so that's where you are right now. Please give us a review. You can do that on both places now, by the way. You couldn't do it on Spotify a long time ago, but now you can. Um, make sure you give us a review. And I told Matt to say this earlier, Matt, what if, if they've got a bad review, what do they do? 
just don't do it. You just don't do it just at all. Do it. <laughs> Leave those to yourself. We don't want a bad reputation. <laughs> Good reviews only, please. But anyway, <laughs> the only reason we say that it's not for us. Like this podcast makes zero dollars. Matter of fact, it costs money. Um, it, we're not trying to build anything like that. But the reviews, the shares, they help it to reach a larger audience, and that's all we're trying to do. There's mm-hmm. a lot of us out there who are trying to walk with Jesus the best we can, and it's quite messy. And all we're trying to do is help with that. So yes. um, anyway, Matt, for between Matt and I, from both of us, we thank you. And, we'll, and we'll see you later. See you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Messy Walk podcast with Pastor Adam Cook. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. Have a good day.